<laughs> All right, chapter 10, 38 to 42. This is a f- familiar passage, and I just felt, felt it fitting since we just came off a, a women's retreat for me to talk about two ladies. These women are awesome women. Some, one of them has a bad rep, but she's actually amazing. And we're going to kind of break down because whether you're a man or a woman in this place, we can all relate to the way Martha and Mary interact together, okay? So we're going to read this together. And we're going to start in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her, help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We've been in this series called On Mission, and in this series, we're talking about the mission of the church. And in the church, we need both Martha and Mary. And let me present this to you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning collectively, together, we make up the church, not this building. As some of you guys know, we are saving money to have a, a, a bigger building one day somewhere, <laughs> hopefully in Waterville, that's the goal, right? But Jeremy is the church. Anthony is the church. Margaret's the church. Zeke is the church. Because we are called in the Bible the temples of the Holy Spirit. So let me present this to you today. Inside of the church, we need both the attitude of Martha and Mary. Well, maybe not the attitude, but we need the attitude of one and the action of one. How about that? Come on, somebody. Oh, that's fresh. We need both the attitude from Mary and the action from Martha. God wants to marry our work with our worship. And that is what the church needs because what we see happen, what we see churches that are, are so worship the Lord and they're just like they love to worship the Lord and yet maybe they're not deep in the word and they're not deep in the works of God. Maybe their theology and their doctrine is just a little off somewhere. And then we have seen churches and church history that are so works-oriented that they have it in their mind that they are saved by grace plus works. And then they're off. But friends, in these two women, we see what the church needs to be, both worshipers and servants of the Lord. And so I think it's, it's interesting that we can learn so much from these two ladies. And I want to skip right to it. Now, I was just talking to Bessie at our women's retreat. I said, I have not busted out an acronym or acrostic, whatever we want to call it today, in a really long time. I can't even remember. I don't even think to all of 2022 you've got one for me. But today, friends, you're going to get an acronym, acrostic, whatever we want to call it today. You guys can debate that later on how to be 
how to have victoriously served the Lord. How to victoriously serve the Lord. So we're going to break down the word serve. Number one, what we can learn from this account, right, because it's not a made-up story. We just learned that at our women's retreat. Let's not call it Bible stories because stories can be made up, but let's talk about the account because this truly happened. So the Bible account, let's learn how to serve victoriously. Number one, we need to support your doing for God by being with God. Let that sink in. I, I wanted to change the word last minute, but, you know, I, I went on a retreat and got home. But I said, I'm not going to change the word support. I want to change it to sustain. But we need it both. Because what happens, the reason why burnout happens in the ministry, friends, is because we are working without worshiping. We are going and we're doing, doing, doing for the Lord from an empty cup. And if you serve the Lord from an empty cup, you are going to find your place, yourself in a place of being burnt out. And you could be burnt out in many areas. You could be burnt out at church. You could be burnt out in serving people. How do you know sometimes we have people even in our family that call us up and we're like, don't raise your hand, mom and dad, not you. <laughs> it's my parents here for those who don't know. But sometimes you get someone that calls you up on the phone, and you're just like, oh, man, you're going to need something. Probably what Vicky sees when, when Joy's number comes across. Oh, what she needs today. <laughs> right? And sometimes that can get draining. You know, in relationships, it has to be give and take. It can't just be take or it can be it will get draining. The same is true in how we serve the Lord. If all we do is give to the Lord and we're not receiving from his presence, then we're not even really giving to him because we're giving to him from our flesh, and he doesn't want that. Come on, somebody, insert an amen right there, right? He doesn't want that. He wants us to, he wants it to be from the overflow of our time with him. That's when we serve the Lord best. When we support our doing with our being, he calls us human beings, not human doings. Oh, I mean, we, we just, we just, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got you, boo, I got you. We place our value in what we do instead of who we are, and God God looked at his son, Jesus, and before he did one miracle, before he, before he multiplied fishes and, and, and bread, when he got baptized, he said, look at my son, listen to him. Well, this is my son, and I'm well pleased with him. When you were, this is why I love, you guys know I'm studying pastoral counseling and, and um, psychology right now. And th what I love about um, one of my favorite theories, which is called person-centered theory, is it is, it, it, when from a Christian perspective, when I'm counseling somebody, it's not about anything other than the fact that they were made in the image of God. Do you know how, that's what sets you apart from animals. That's what, I mean, listen, we have a beautiful earth. That's what sets you apart from the most unique plant 
from the most beautiful waterfall somewhere. You were made in the image of God and therefore deserve respect and love and value. But we cannot give what we do not have. So if we find ourselves with the attitude of, of Martha complaining and upset, this is what, we, what I like to remind myself. If we pray instead of complain, it's going to make a difference in how we serve. So oftentimes we'll see something that's off. Maybe Mary, Mary said, well, we don't know the whole thing. Maybe Mary sat with Jesus, you know, last week too. <laughs> Maybe there was some kind of tension. Maybe they had already discussed, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the hors d'oeuvres, but you're going to do the main meal, so it's my turn to sit. Like, you know how sisters are, you know. They might have already had a plan. We don't know the whole thing, but we do know that Jesus said that Mary chose the better to be at his feet. So maybe, maybe though Martha had an attitude because she felt alone. And this is the thing. Sometimes we could be serving for God and feel so lonely. Because we're looking at a sister or a brother to come be our support instead of the Lord. What, what is this point? Support. You're doing for God by being with God. Oh, but I'm, I'm with his people. That's the people of God. I said support your doing for God by being with God. If the only time I'm with God is when I'm prepping and preparing a, ser- a, a sermon for you, oh, boy, I'm going to be a mess because I need God to put my contacts on in the morning. I need God to drive to the women's retreat. Really needed him this, this week. <laughs> your girl. <laughs> girl might have got a ticket <laughs> most expensive retreat I ever went to <laughs> we need Jesus in every single thing that we do and if we find ourselves frustrated if we begin to pray instead of complain then his presence will come and then we'll be able to move forward but instead we sit back and we complain we say There's a need, and that person should be doing it, and that person should be doing it, and that person should be doing it, and you're not even covering it in prayer. Because when we pray, when we see a need, either God is going to raise up someone to do it, to come alongside of us and help, or he's going to say, it's not time for you to do it yet, and you're just going to have to get filled up with the Lord. But either way, your attitude is going to change. When we get to a a place that we feel like no one cares about what we're doing and who we are, we have to remember that the Lord cares about the harvest way more than we do. See, in Luke 10, 12, it says the harvest is plentiful, but the what? The workers are few. And then it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. See, when we choose to pray instead of complaining, we choose to be with God and trust him to change hearts, to raise up workers and to go out to do his will. After all, no one, friends, no one cares about the harvest more than God. And the true work of the ministry is the people. It's not all the doing. It's the people. We are the work of the ministry. The Bible says that you are a workmanship created in his image. 
The, the Greek word for that word is actually poema, which means poem. It means when God created you, you are his masterpiece. Come on, somebody. We're so focused on all these things, and it's taking our joy away from the one thing that matters most, to be in his presence. The truth of the matter is, with, is if we first sit at Jesus' feet, then we will have the strength to work. If we first worship, we will have the strength to work. Amen? Another way to serve victoriously is by exalting God through our work. Ooh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hit on this point. You guys don't even know. Dad, pay attention because this one's for you, buddy. Whatever you do. <laughs> They say it's hard to be a pastor's kid, man. They don't even give pastor parents any kind of props. But whatever you do, <laughs> in Galatians 3.23, this is my dad's, one of his favorite life verses. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. So when we exalt God in everything we do, it helps us make sure that we remember our work is for the Lord. It's not for Toledo Edison, it's not for action, it's not for Ram Fence, it's not for, it's not for all the many Starbucks in different places that all of my young adults are all baristas somewhere. It's not for any of it. It's for the Lord. Our work is for the Lord. I love this, this uh, quote. Can you put it up there? Because I don't even. Um, there's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. Can you put it up there? And this again. And daddy like this. This is my dad's favorite quote from him. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, that's so good. <laughs> that drink and that point. <laughs> Here's the thing, friends. Some people are energetic and always have the need to be busy, and they're never able to sit still. Others are just more thoughtful, more <clears throat> reserved, they sit back and they watch things. I notice this on, on when we go to trips. When, when, I, when we had 18 women from, from both campuses, we're one church, two locations. So we had 18 women <clears throat> from our South Little campus and from this campus here that went to this retreat. And there's those of us who want to sit in the front row. <coughs> That's me. <laughs> That's just always energetic, got all the energy for the world. And then there's those of us who they like to sit back in the back. When Pastor Josh first came to, to our church, and we had the, had the, um, the bleachers. This is at our South Toledo campus, old building back, built in, like, early 1900s. And it had, like, these bleacher seats that came up. He liked to sit in the back. He liked to observe things. Sometimes still when we go places, he liked to worship, you know. You know, he is a head taller than everybody. So he likes to worship in the back and just look over and just see the, the glory. But I, this is the thing. We have different personalities. Some of us are more reserved, more introverted. Some of us are more extroverted. But whatever your personality is, all of us need to exalt God in what we do. 
in our worship, in our work, in the way we love one another. And see, Martha and Mary, they had different personalities. Martha was a very active, uh, oriented person, and Mary, however, she appeared to be more thoughtful in nature, but both types are needed in the kingdom. You need both. That's why I always say Josh and I are such a great match for one another because in my weaknesses, he usually has that strength there. Like my weaknesses are usually his strength, and his weaknesses are usually my strength. And when I prayed when I was a young adult asking God for a husband, I said, it only if I'll, hey, I'll be single and serve you for the rest of the days of, of my life if that's what you've called me to do and I serve you better. You know, there's a scripture that says um, when you're single, you could have more of a single mind to the Lord and you could serve the Lord better. So I was cool. I wasn't like one of those at that time saying, oh, I have to have a husband. But if it's your will for me to have a husband, we somehow got to compliment each other in such a way that we'll be better together, right? And this is, this is why God has the church, too, because we are many parts, friends. Come on, let's get deep for a second. We are many parts. Some of us have a strength in one area, and we're judging somebody else because their strength is not our strength without recognizing and, and seeing the gift of God that's in them. We exalt God when we don't only recognize our gifts, but when we recognize the gifts in somebody else. And when we know that we're better together, like we need all of you to do your part. We need the young people to say, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to do my part in schools. We need the seasoned saints to pass on their wisdom and to share and to disciple and mentor. We need everything in between to do their part, to exalt God in their work. And not sit back and say, well, maybe one day when I have this done, or I ha how can you exalt God in your work right now? Lord, that's good, amen. All right, another way we can serve victoriously is we must make sure that our reward is in heaven. I'm going to read this to you, Matthew 6, 1 through 6. Ooh, this is good, friends. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will never, you will not have no reward from your Father in heaven. Ooh. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I know people who have given the coats off their back and have not told anybody until their nosy wife found out six months later when it was springtime and we got to put on clearance. I mean, I know people, no, seriously, though, I know people who have given their last $10 to somebody. I know people who, who have laid down what they wanted for somebody else. And this is the thing. If we go off and we just always have to brag about that and always have to tell everybody, and it's hard because some of us, we, we talk more, me right here, and I got to learn. Man, if, I'm, if God prompts me to do something, it's not so I can make it into some kind of sermon point all the time. It's so that I could be obedient to God, right? And it says here, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by others. Tr truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We need some secret moving and giving in the house of God 
again. We need people to do things because they are prompted by the Lord, not because they have permission by the pastor. Come on. We need people to move and be obedient to the Lord. And we need to check our motives. You know, Matthew 6, 1 says, watch out. Do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your rewards from your Father in heaven. All right, I stopped and helped somebody with a, you know, a tire. No one does that anymore anyway. But if we do do that, we don't have to go take a picture and post it on Facebook. If we pay for someone's Starbucks and behind us, we don't have to tell everybody. I was in, you know, we have to learn to do things in secret, friends. We have to do good deeds, pray, and even pray in secret. The best and, and thing that we really need to do if we want to strengthen our relationship with God is keep our relationship focused on God. And then he will help us do what we're supposed to do for other people. There's so much more I can say about that, but I really want to spend a little bit more time on this next um, point here. To serve victoriously, we serve by valuing others. In this passage, our main text that we're reading about with Martha and Mary, we notice that she was, she was worried. about The Bible says she was worried about a lot of things. And not only was she worried, but she was upset. And there's a few verses here. I did some cross-referencing. You know, anytime you read one section of scriptures, you shouldn't just stay there when you're studying. You should see if it maybe goes back and relates to another set of scriptures. And so when I was looking at that word worry and I saw the little number by it, I saw you cross-reference for those who don't know in the actual Bible. I went and followed that number, and it brought me to this cross-reference passage in Matthew 6, one that is probably common. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Ooh, Martha needed to hear that that day, huh? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Worry will rob us of our value, and it will distract us from seeing the value in others. It will rob us of our value and distract us from seeing the value in others. We see that with Martha. She was worried and upset. She forgot her value, and she couldn't see the value in her sister. Matter of fact, the scripture talks about the parable of the sowers and the seeds. And there is one ground that it talked about when the seed fell on that ground. Let's read that in Mark 4, 18 through 19. It says, all and others are the ones sown among, among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Friends, we have to be careful because worry will choke the life of God out of us and make us unfruitful. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Worry will choke the life of God out of us and make us unfruitful. Martha was serving the Lord and yet still was unfruitful because her attitude, her, it, it turned into literally she was angry. The Bible says she was upset because worry did that for her. Because she was more worried about the stuff 
the preparation, all the things that need to be done instead of sitting at Jesus' feet and just listening and learning and being together with somebody. She forgot to value herself, and she forgot to see value in her sister. And more importantly, she forgot the value there is in being in the presence of God. Friends, if we love God, then from that love from God, we can love others. If our relationship horizontally isn't right, wait, wrong one, vertically isn't right, our relationship horizontally won't be right. Josh used to say to young single people when they would say, well, how do I marry well? He would talk to a gentleman and would say, if you want to marry a wife who is going to love you and be faithful to you all the days of your life, then you need to find a wife who loves and is faithful to a God that she cannot see because if she loves and is faithful to a God she can't see, she's going to love and be faithful to a husband that she can. And that goes for women too. You want, you want that, <laughs> I had one of my single ladies came, she was like, I, wa- I want to find my Boaz, but I don't think I'm going to find him at a women's conference. I said, well, maybe you find a sister. I don't know. <laughs> but this is the thing. We want that, that special person that's going to be our, our partner in life, and we want them to be faithful to us, then you better be faithful to God. Because there's going to be times that person's going to let you down. I got a great marriage and relationship, and that's because of the grace of God. But there's times I let Josh down. You know, this week I, I, I messed up. I messed up this week, man. I was so into my story. I, I, I talked to Dorinthia about everything I've learned in like three semesters in like one hour car, two hour car ride. I made it almost there. That last half hour, there were some lights. And I messed up. I messed up bad. And I was like, oh, man, my husband's going to kill me. He is go- and I knew I wasn't going to get away with it. I tried telling him, I'm going to a conference. And we was, you know, I tried. That brother didn't care. He's like, God wants to teach you a lesson today, sister. Like, you know, and I knew. I knew I was going to get in trouble. And I was, so I sent a text to my husband. I'm sorry. I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to find a side hustle. I'll figure out something. I'm going to help pay for this. Yeah, I'm going to pay for this ticket. I'm, gonna, I'm so sorry. And he sent me back the most amazing text. So I thought. He sent me back a text. You know when you read a text before you open the whole thing? So I read the text, and it said, it said, don't worry, babe. It's just money. And I, I was like, man, Dorinthia, my husband's so awesome. And then I opened up the rest of the text that we don't have. <laughs> so here's my public confession. Your pastor ain't perfect. Neither one of us. He should have just left it at, it's okay, it's just money, right? That would have been nicer. <laughs> Andrew, you got any work that needs to be done, bro? <laughs> this is the thing, friends. We're going to let each other down. I'm going to let my kids down. I ain't perfect. I I want as much as possible to reflect Jesus. But really, I'm just a billboard pointing back to him, baby. That's all any of us are, just pointing back to him. But this is the thing. If we don't have value in ourselves and who God created us to be, how are we going to value somebody else? Instead, we're going to idol someone. We're going to make someone else an idol. We're going to idolize them, and we're going to worship them, and they're going to mess up, and then we're going to be left wanting. 
Instead, we can worship the one true God and never be left wanting. To add value to others, one must first value themselves. That's John Maxwell, and I want to add to that. And one must, even before they value themselves, value the presence of God. I'm going to add, I'm going to end with this last point here, to serve victoriously by following the example of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? We can't follow Jesus' example if we don't sit at his feet. How can You have to learn about him to walk like him. You have to worship like him to work like him. The Bible said that Jesus was always at work, but he only did the work he saw his father doing. Sometimes we try to run ahead of God instead of wait on God. Sometimes we lag way far behind instead of getting up off our butts and going after him. Come on, somebody. We need to be in tune, in season, and know what our season is. And Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is both our example and our motivation. Philippians 2, 3 through 7 says Jesus left his throne in order to serve us. It says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Who and it says that your attitude should not be, or your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. How awesome is that? How awesome is that, friends? That is our example. That is our motivation. And when we serve others, I know I got a lot of scripture in here, but that's, you know, we are in the church, so we're supposed to get into the scriptures here. Listen to this. When you serve others, you are serving Jesus. Do you know that? When you serve others, you're serving Jesus. It's so easy to see Jesus on the foreign mission field when we're serving. <laughs> we're going to Jamaica, um, hopefully in the end of May, beginning of June. You guys, if you want to know, well, you want to go with me, let me know. I hope to take a big team this year. It's so easy to see Jesus in Jamaican faces, but it's not so easy to see Jesus in our neighbor across the street. And the kids who decide to put the basketball hoop in the alley, and now I can't drive down that way. It's harder to see Jesus that way. It's harder to see Jesus in your child that comes into your room that wants to talk to you at 10 o'clock at night when they know that's your bedtime. It's harder to see Jesus then. <laughs> it's, harder to see, it's harder to see Jesus in the faces of those that we're closest to. And that is sad because we need to see Jesus in them probably the most because God has entrusted us to steward those relationships. But this is what his word says in Matthew 25, 35, and 36, and this is my for real last time, last time. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Not just for the mission field, friends. It's when Papa invites us over after church. <laughs> Not just the mission field. We are the mission field. The church is the mission. We are both his creation and his masterpiece and his mission. <laughs> it says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. <laughs> you brought me Starbucks. Oh, it doesn't say that in this translation. <laughs> I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, 
you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Last closing verse, last closing story now. At the retreat that we were at, there was a woman that sat on a panel, and I really, I'd met her before, but I really resonated with her. And she had talked about, um, we were talking about connection and how it's been so hard post-COVID to really connect. But they really tried to change our mindset and said, we're not, we need to stop saying post-COVID, we need to say pre-revival. And the reason her story resonated with me, and I just told Paul this, is because a few days um, prior to going here, uh, maybe a couple weeks, the Lord had spoke to me that we're in a season in the church after um, Jesus resurrected and and before he um, talked to Peter, and Peter was feeling really bad because he denied Jesus three times before he was restored. He was feeling bad, and, and, and Jesus told him, that, you know, he, he asked him, do you love me, feed my sheep? Do you love me, feed my sh- sheep, like three times. And then he talked about, he talked before he fell, he said, you're going you're gonna to be sift, the enemy's going to sift you. But when you turn back to me, I, you strengthen your brothers. And this is the thing, I told you guys this a few weeks ago, those who are left in the church right now, we've got to strengthen one another because we are weary. And so this woman was talking about this darkest t- place in her life. She was married over 20 years. And um, her husband died, and they were in ministry together and all this stuff, and it just wasn't what she had expected in life. And she said that Jesus showed up in the, in the form of her friend, who she didn't ask, but every day she would show up, washed her clothes, cooked her food, took care of her kids. When I was hungry, <laughs> you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was lonely, you were there. Friends, that is the body of Christ. This is our mission, to worship him and to work like him. And how we do that is take care of one another. Stand to your feet, please. Jesus, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads, Lord, you are so good. Father God, I pray right now that you would strengthen your children, your sons and daughters in this house. God, I pray today that you would show them how they can add value to somebody else by feeding somebody, connecting with somebody giving somebody a word of encouragement, God, that you would show them that you are still working, still moving, and still doing what only you can do, and God, that you are using them. Would you strengthen our hands? Would you strengthen our feet? Would you strengthen our knees as we pray for one another, Lord God? God, help us not give up on the church. God, help us know we are entering into our greatest times. This is pre-revival, Lord Jesus. God, strengthen the weary of heart, Lord God. Let us encourage one another and lift one another up. Let and remind one another our future is still bright because of you. We still have a hope and a future because of you, Lord. God, I pray that people even today would feel loved and encouraged by the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.